I think it took me three months to start seeing income coming from my short videos when I started them two and a half years ago. Uh, but now I'd say I've made over a million dollars from those videos. Welcome to the Content 10X Podcast. The show where content creators learn how to harness the power of content repurposing. And now, your host, Amy Woods. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Content 10X Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, and this week is about the power of consistency, and specifically when it comes to content marketing and building a business. And I have a wonderful guest, James Schramko. Now, James is the founder of Superfast Business. He's based in Sydney, Australia, and he started, developed, and sold multiple successful businesses. James excels in making the complex world of business simple so that your quality of life can improve. And he helps people to, to work less and make more, which sounds fantastic. And he does this through his content books, live events and coaching programs. So James, welcome to the show. Thank you, Amy. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. So I came across you a little while ago um, when I met Greg Marilies in London. Um, I'd been speaking at Upreneur Summit and he had travelled all the way over to London to um, exhibit in, at the summit. And we um, we we got talking and, and went for something sweet and he was telling me all about you and, and raving about you as a mentor. Um, and I went on to listen to your podcast and um, I'm a, a big fan. I love your show. It's, it's fantastic. So uh, thank you. <laughs> um, and, oh, I appreciate um, that. And, and thanks to Greg too. He's um, a good traveling advocate. He absolutely is. It was quite serendipitous actually how we met because um, a few people had said to me um, that, oh, you're going to Upin Summit. The, you should meet Greg. I think it was mainly Chris that said you should meet Greg. And um, you know how busy these these um, events are. And, uh, you know, I didn't end up meeting him until it was the Saturday evening. And I just, I got talking to this guy. I think we were in the bar and I think he, he came over and said something about my talk or something like that. I didn't know it was Greg at the time. Um, and we must have spoke for about two or three minutes. And then some people I knew had booked a table for us to go and eat. And um, he was saying, come on, Amy, you know, we're already late, we're already late, you got to go, got to go. And I felt really rude because I just started talking to him. We were having a really nice chat. And then I had to say, I'm really sorry, I've got to go. And um, I was conscious he was just, you know, an Australian in, in London over for an event. Who did he know? What was he doing this evening? So I said to him, you can, do you want to come for something to eat with us? Um, and he was like, are you, are you know, are you sure? And I was like, oh, come on, you know, come come and eat with us. Like, why not? More the merrier. They'll, they'll fit you in. And we were just walking down the street to the restaurant. Like, by the way, I'm Amy. Who, what's your name? And he said, Greg. And I was like, that's so weird. There's only like one person everyone had said you should really chat to at this event. And it's you. <laughs> like, of all the like hundreds of people. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, it was really odd, you know, how we met that way. But yeah, like I said, he was raving about you, about um, how you, we've worked together, how you've mentored him. He was talking about your um, your mastermind program that he's a part of. Um, so I made a note and then uh, saw you had a podcast, um, subscribed to that, started listening. And um, yeah, I just really love your episodes, love, love the show. And I think when I first listened and you introduced your episode and you said, welcome to episode like 700 and something um 
I was like, wow, like that, that is probably the um, highest, like, you know, episode number I've, I've heard anyone, you know, start an episode with that into the 700s. This is someone who's been podcasting for a long time, someone who's really consistent. And so, um, you know, consistency in creating content, especially episodic type shows like a podcast or video series, um, it's just something that I'm always raving about and talking about and recommending that people do. So I'd love for us to just dig into really the, the how and the why and what it's done for your business, why a podcast, why content. Um, but before we do so, um, I know I, I gave an intro, but could we just hear a little bit more of your your backstory, just a bit more of an intro as to you know where you started, what you do? Well, I thought your intro was awesome, by the way. Thank you. Uh, to, I guess to backfill that, after school, I started some study in accounting and then ended up having to get a job because uh, there was a financial depression happening, uh, or they call it a recession. And so I went into the workforce and I worked through a number of jobs and I ended up in a sales role because I needed to increase my income to provide for a family. And through that sales career, I ended up in the high-end luxury automotive industry and I got promoted through to sales management and then ultimately general management running a Mercedes-Benz dealership here in Sydney. And so my last couple of roles were as a general manager or a general sales manager for Mercedes-Benz dealerships. And my main task was to turn them around. Uh, Mercedes-Benz guided the owner of the business to take me on and to let me fix it because they weren't happy with the results. So I did that for one and then I did a good job of that over about four years and then my last job, I did the same thing again for another four years. And towards the end of that role, I was sort of putting a foot into my own business and trying to figure out how to build a website and go online and see if some of my skills from running an actual business, uh, which at the, the last job I did was doing $50 million a year. The second last job, we were doing $100 million a year. And I had sales teams, I had marketing people, I had service managers, I had finance managers and accountants. I was figuring out, you know, how do I translate that into an online income, maybe some kind of consultant or whatever. And through a series of um, failures and difficulties, which inevitably uh, we go through when we're trying to find our feet, you know, I was general manager by day and I was solo operator by night. I started um, producing content and initially um, writing articles. And then I really felt, and, and we're talking about 2006 here, predominantly I really felt I needed to get um, a richer media I wanted to figure out video and I also realized I was learning a lot from coaches and experts in mostly from the United States in the audio format uh, cassettes originally and then mp3s and I knew that I could start creating information products by recording things and publishing that and uh, one of the first episodes that I did was me recording a famous copywriter. And I asked him if, if I could record him. And uh, we went up to the hotel room with my little hand recorder and, we, you know, like a press person. Yeah. <laughs> I interviewed him <laughs> and I published it on a player on my site, but I didn't list it in iTunes and it wasn't a podcast as such. It was only a few years later when I'd been a guest on someone else's podcast that I got exposed to that podcast world. And uh, the show went so well for them and they sold a lot of my stuff as an affiliate 
the host actually asked me to start a podcast with him, so we did. And that's when I figured out how to set it all up, lodge it to iTunes, get it published, get more distribution. And I really uh, liked it. And we, we started ranking. We're in the top few podcasts in business in Australia, at least, and, and certainly globally. There was way less podcasts back then. Uh, 2000, I think we're about 2008 now. And then what I did is I retro-published my blog with the audio content as a podcast, and it backfilled all the episodes. Now, years later, we actually pruned my whole site. We actually listed every single thing on the site. We weeded out the stuff that wasn't useful and then numbered the episodes. So when you hear the number on the episode now, I've probably recorded well over a 1,000 episodes, but we, we trimmed a lot of um, branches off the tree. And I found now um, it's really good to number the episodes. It's very easy for people, no matter where they're consuming the content, to go and look it up. If they search my site or even Google with a number and my name or the site name, it comes up straight away to where they're trying to get to. So I wanted to make it a good user experience. And having that number also seems to create um, some kind of discipline for me uh, to keep the run rate. And when I first started publishing, and by the way, I know I've jumped into the how, why, what <laughs> part <okay. laughs> after my story, but uh, I was anything but consistent. I was very spasmodic. I mean, initially, I was only publishing audios to get traffic and to make sales. That was my motivation. And I would do it when I could do it. I had a job for the first year or two of doing that. Later, when I had my own business, I had a lot more flexibility. And I have a, had a, I've had a few co-hosted podcasts. So I've actually had five podcasts, I think five, maybe six somewhere in that region. And it was very hard to round up my co-hosts. And so I put more emphasis on my own show. And then I've tried different frequency. I did publish every day before John Lee Dumas. I published uh, two or three episodes a week. I've published once a week. I've published once every few weeks. I've published once every few months. But ultimately, I found the formula for me is two episodes a week. And we did that pretty much all last year. And we're doing it this year it's about the right frequency for people to stay on top of and not feel like they're missing out. And it's a good sort of frequency for me as a creator to schedule and to produce because ultimately that's one of my main two jobs that I actually have is to create content and then to deliver on the coaching, which is the main service I'm offering as a result of most of my content. So when you, so obviously you've been podcasting and, and all the different you know, journeys that you've gone on with the podcasting. And you started, as you said, when you were in employment and transitioned out. So when when did Superfast Business become um, the, the, the brand and the business? You know, has the podcast stayed with you through multiple businesses from the general manager position to Superfast? It started out as internet marketing speed, as a blog for internet marketing niche, and it was a really powerful blog, very good search results. That's where I started adding the audio content. I then added other business divisions. I've, I've had a lot of business names. Uh, it's either a nightmare or a blessing for someone like Greg Merrilies because he gets to do all the branding and logos. But I, I, had, a, I had a separate site for uh, affiliate reviews. I had a separate site for virtual real estate. I had a separate site for my membership. I had a separate site for a search engine optimization business and I had a separate site for a website development business and I had separate sites for each of the other podcasts. And in the end, I thought strategically 
okay, most of us when we start out, we sort of see how complicated we can make things, and then you get to a point where you think enough, and I'm now got to strip it back and get to the core. So I think Superfast Business came around about 2008, and I consolidated. Um, I started putting that as the masthead site and pointing people to my other sites. And then I rolled up my other sites into super fast business. And at one point, all of my sites were on there until I wanted to sell off the search engine optimization business and sell off the website development business. And for those, I actually moved them back off the site, put them on their own domain, and then sold them up as a package to separate buyers. And so super fast business has been super fast business for quite some time. Uh, it has been uh, the forum that, that I run, the membership site, has been running for, I think it's about eight years. And I think the first three of it, it was a different brand name. So it's probably had five years being called Superfast Business when I did the roll-up. Yeah, it's just really interesting to hear the story and how you, you took the, the content with you through those different, you know, rebrands and things like that. Because um, yeah. I think I just think that for some people, they would just say, well, that was the content with, you know, that business under that brand and, and I, I need to abandon it and then start something afresh. So it's really interesting to hear that, it that you know, that that was that relevant. As you said, you went through a, a cleanup exercise, but what was relevant, you've, you've kept. Um, so what was it about, you know, you know, there's lots of different content mediums, you know, there's video and um, you mentioned articles already, but obviously the, the podcasting is something that you went all in on and have had multiple. So what was it about, um, I guess, audio and that medium in particular that just works so well for you well I can't type uh, so that's one thing I'm not good at writing articles I one of the I think the second person I hired was an article writer because <laughs> and I was buying a hundred at a time uh, and you know even last last month I paid someone to write a well-researched article for search engine optimization uh, because it's not my strength what I am good at is talking uh, although you may not know from this interview but I did spend a lot of time in a role where I was selling on the phone, selling face-to-face. -face. So I'm very, very comfortable talking. I'm fine with a camera. I did acting classes in the early 90s, you know, when I was a very underconfident school kid. And my mum uh, went halves with me in tuition for acting class to build my confidence. And then I went out and did roles like debt collection and direct selling. And I got through any of the sort of confidence issues that most people have, fear of speaking on a stage, etc. No problem. But at the same time, I'm not an entertainer like Chris Ducker. You know, I'm not going to be putting on a top hat and tails and performing for people. So I'm actually quite an introvert, but I don't mind talking. And I don't mind talking about things that I know about. I feel very comfortable sharing that. And I am a very nurturing person. So along with my business model of having a membership where I build community and look after them, which I've been doing for 11 years, even longer now, let's call it 12 or 13. Um, the podcast was a perfect way for me to share ideas and concepts and also a good way to get access to people who I was interested to learn from or talk to and to get good authority positioning and to build up an audience. And I think I'm up to close to 4 million downloads, which is a fraction of big podcasters. You know, I only have a small list and a small database, but I'm just consistently been at it. And if we keep publishing two episodes 
a month. Uh, and if we keep distributing our content across multiple platforms, because that's one huge change in the last few years, we went from being audio only and focusing on the Apple platform to capturing bits of video and putting up more rich media, especially when we uh, cut up, edit, distribute the content to feed the show and support it. I'm not really worried about iTunes rankings or number of audio downloads, especially since I don't sell ads on my show. I'm far more interested in getting in front of my right customer on the right platform and make it easy for them to consume. So we actually upload the entire episode natively on Facebook and uh, we, we put the whole thing separately on uh, SoundCloud and you know we put snippets of our content all over the place. Yeah, I mean that's music to my ears because that you know that's that's what we love to do, what I we do for our show, what, what we do, do for our clients. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, um, just what you, I mean, what you said about audio and and speaking and and that being just something that you're really confident with and you you're good at. That's something that I always talk about when people ask me what they should um, go all in on and and um, you know rather than what's the the latest trend and you know people are saying I should be doing a live stream this and that you know my answer is always well if you want to be consistent then what are you actually confident at doing and what do you enjoy doing as well because if it's if you commit to a live stream and you absolutely hate doing live streams you've just been told it's the thing to do um you're probably not going to do it that long and if you don't like it you might not be very very good at it either I so ha- I hate yeah. I hate doing live streams I hate <laughs> doing a live stream I'm if I have a choice between camera on or camera off, it'll be off every time. I'm, yeah. I'm an old school telephone generation. And the, the fantastic uh, sort of example of this is I don't do live streams. I will record lots of videos, but I do them in my own time and I delete the ones that suck and keep some of the ones that are okay. And my team can play with those. Um, but since new platforms like Clubhouse come out, I'm very interested in that platform because it really suits me. It's exactly my skill set. I've literally been running audio groups for the last decade and I can slide into that one, no trouble. It's easy for me to run a room or moderate. I've been doing it every single week, two or three times a week for 11 years. So it's totally in my wheelhouse. But then I look at people who write these amazing epic blog posts and well-researched articles with illustrations and storytelling and copy. And I think that, well, that's definitely not my core. (laughs) So not being able to type hasn't held me back. I I can just talk for a living and that suits me. And it's also how I deliver most of my training because I dictate most of my uh, posts to my community, which I do over a thousand a month. So I'm doing a lot of paid content and that's probably a really interesting point here rather than try and monetize my front with ads and all of that, I mostly consider that a a good chunk of the content I deliver is actually behind a paywall. And you now see newspapers getting onto this concept and YouTube are forever trying to get me to pay them to get rid of ads. But a huge amount of my content is actually private for members. So the vast amount of stuff I publish is actually for the smallest possible group and that makes it high value. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and there's that complete congruency between what you're putting out publicly, but then people know that if they 
um, pay to be part of your programs, it's going to go you know deeper into to more of a, a volume. It's going to go personalised. Yeah, it's easy to listen to a podcast and you try your best to put yourself in the shoes of the conversation. That's a different matter when you've got me on the other end of, of a conversation saying, here's my situation. And I say, well, this is what you do. It's like, oh, wow, this is so much easier. Yeah. It's like having a driver instead of trying to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, just a little break from this podcast episode to ask you a question. Would you like one single place that you can go to that provides you with everything you need to be able to implement the best practices in content repurposing for your video content, your podcast episodes, and your social media content today? To help you get more value from the content that you create, get more time back, and help you reach more people than you ever thought possible. If so, then you are going to love the Content 10X Toolkit. The toolkit is full of video tutorials, templates, checklists, swipe files, step-by-step guides, and more that shows you how to repurpose your content in the best ways possible today. No more Googling, no more figuring it out yourself. We provide you with everything that you need to become a content repurposing pro. If this sounds like something that would interest you, then go check out the Content 10X Toolkit at content10x.com forward slash toolkit. Okay, I'm back to this week's episode. Um, so a couple of things I wanted to just dig into from what you mentioned earlier. Um, so you said that you started to record on video, put the video in different places, the snippets, all of that. Did you find that there were people who said, that they knew you'd been doing the podcast for a while but pod- podcasting isn't for them or they don't even know how to listen to a podcast and that kind of thing but as soon as you started to do that um that you know suddenly opened a whole new world for them of being able to um connect with you or just found new people because they didn't know what podcasts were and didn't listen to them but suddenly found you on Facebook and in various places well I'm sympathetic to this because I don't listen to podcasts I, I don't listen to podcasts, um, which is funny because I think, you you know, you can create or consume, but I consume different things. I'll, I'll consume Amazon Prime or Netflix or uh, books or Kindles or whatever, I, I'm, but I don't listen to podcasts. So almost always when I have an event like Chris Ducker's event, when I run my event, if I survey the audience, they're almost all podcast listeners. It's the greatest conversion channel. It's a huge commitment to listen to someone for 40 minutes and you get to know them well and if you do it over and over. And I've had uh, a bunch of people now, maybe seven or eight, it's up to, who have said they've listened to every episode, which I think is amazing because if you add up 800 times half an hour, that's you know 400 hours. That is a lot of time listening to podcasts. And I, and, you know, I still don't rate myself, by the way. I don't think I'm exceptionally good at, uh, podcasting or anything in particular the main thing is I, I just got in early and kept doing it okay so there's there's something to be said for that and uh, when I went to the social media video things I've done it three times now I did it 10 years ago I did it about seven years ago and I've done it about two years ago and we've been publishing a daily piece of video for the last two and a half years that's very very profitable for us I I make somewhere in between twenty to $30,000 a month in sales attributed to those social media videos. So I know that I'm capturing or reinforcing my audience at least. So I'm not fully aware of anyone who says, oh, well, I never heard of you because I don't listen to podcasts. 
I mean, you buy a new car today, it's got a it's got an Apple Play in the car. Um, Volvos, I think, years ago were doing podcasts before a lot of other manufacturers. And I've certainly been around long enough with podcasts to see it go from not that many to being a bit obscure to, like, I think every person on the planet. I mean, even the guy I surf with, wife, who's a photographer, just started a podcast with her best friend just talking about women's stuff, and they have 160,000 downloads in their first month. I mean... It's definitely mainstream now. They're yes. so commoditized. And I actually tell a lot of my students, do not start a podcast. In terms of how it links with your business and, and how you take people from the podcast to um, to becoming um, a customer of yours, um, how do you decide what content is going to work and, and what's going to, to do that and kind of planning out the, the episodes, the guests, that kind of thing? But I know my customers quite well. I know them. And that's because I deal with them so often. I'm, I'm in my community every day. There's 500 people in Superfast Business who I interact with every day. There's 30 people in Silver Circle who I interact with most days. And I'm speaking to them. I probably do five or six hours worth of phone calls for an hour each um, with my high-level clients. So I'm, I know them so well that I've, I've just built this sort of data warehouse of of just knowing. I just, I'm intuitive to what they're going to want. So sometimes I'll produce stuff that is a bit left field on the surface. You might think, why is he talking about Japanese business philosophy concepts? But it has to be said, you know, when I was talking about Ikigai seven or eight years ago, it wasn't really well known. I was ranking like third in Google for that phrase. Now it's kind of, it's it's like everyone knows about ikigai in the online you know it's about finding your purpose etc and then i back it up with explaining to people why the chart they think is ikigai is not actually ikigai it was a ripped off chart of purpose and then i go and i find an expert on japanese business philosophy and we break it down now no one's going to fill out a survey and say i really want to know about japanese business philosophy i have to understand that with my audience they keep giving me feedback that they are aspirational towards the way that I'm doing things. They feel burnt out. They feel overloaded. They feel confused. They get told all this stuff by coaches that doesn't work for them or doesn't take into account the fact that they have a partner or kids or that they're tired or they have physical constraints or that they're in the middle of a, um, a lockdown or winter. Now, I'm more able to guide them through those scenarios than some of the other people they're drawing from. And I basically aggregate the questions that people keep asking and then solve them for my podcast audience. And so when I look at my next upcoming episodes, um, I, I'm not a huge planner. Like, it's not like I'm like, you want a planner? Go to Chris Ducker. That guy's probably planned out till 2030. I'm not like that I, I might be just a month in front for my podcast i'm three or four episodes in front and quite often we run a run aground and i'm like i have to create something that day for my team or they're gonna you know they're looking they're hungry for work to do but at the i'd say for the last six months we've been about four to six episodes in front and i'm fielding a lot of inquiries like any podcaster we get about 20 or 30 pitches every single day and we say no to all of them but if I'm interested in something and I know my customers will get tremendous value from it, I'll do that. 
And the other thing I've done is I've looked for suppliers that my customers keep needing forever and ever and ever. Uh, and I will partner with them and then I'll just keep bringing them back. And you probably observe this if you're listening. I might have the same guest on 20 times. And that was really not something people do for podcasts. The old way of podcasting is you uh, have a co-host and you just chit-chat. Another way is you have a new guest each week who happens to be just have published a book and they're on 17 other podcasts the same month. Um, or you have some kind of monologue. Uh, so what I do is I bring in my partners over and over again and we go deep and wide on topics. And every time we do it, they get instant feedback. Some episodes get a better response. Um, not like double or triple or quadruple, but maybe 10% or 20% better. Or my partner will say, hey, you know, people are melting down my inbox off this one. It's, it's like it's hit a nerve. And I say, well, let's do more on this topic. And I'm, I'm basically data-driven and gut-driven. So I guess that's hard. It's a really long roundabout way to explain it. But I'll say it like this. If you know your audience very well, and if you've been going for any amount of time, you will start to see patterns of what works or not. And unlike a lot of the bloggers and podcasters who are performers, of which I wouldn't classify myself, I'm not letting my audience make a game show out of me. I'm not posting uh, what should I eat for breakfast or what episode would you like me to record next week. I don't, don't think I've ever asked my audience what they want me to make. I will give them what they need based on what I'm aware of that perhaps they're not even aware of. And if the, I'm looking for a reaction um, from my guest, my guest's reaction is that's a great question. If I don't get that reaction, then I'll probably delete the episode. And I'm looking for a reaction from my audience. And the reaction from my audience is, oh my God, it's like you're reading my mind. This episode came along at exactly the right time when I needed it. And if I can maintain those standards, then I'll continue to have listenership and it'll drive the business as it has done for 10 years. So I think the formula is working for me at least. Yeah, well, I mean, something that I really love about the show is, um, firstly, as you said, um, it's not you don't just get people on who are doing kind of book tours or that kind of thing. So as you mentioned, the, a lot of the business podcasts and especially online business podcasts, they'll be, you know, so-and-so will, will have a book out and then you'll see that every one of them is interviewing him or her in the space for months. So you might listen to one. zero value to the yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And, and that, that's what stopped me from listening to, some shows I used to listen to. I love that you don't do that. And I also love that um, you, 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 you interview different people. It's not just the kind of, as I said, I guess the same old. And something that you do is um, often when people have a, a mastermind of coaching, coaching programs like yourself, the episodes will be um, on-air coaching. That's quite popular um, with uh, podcasts with people who have masterminds where you do on-air coaching whereas I like what, what you do is you you often bring your um, clients on people who are your mentoring um, but you talk about their business their expertise um, not not coaching them but they're, they're sharing value as you said and, and um, just really useful information and to me as somebody who who you know 
is listening in and knows that you do mentoring and have masterminds and things like that. I just think it's a really good way of showcasing the kind of people that you work with and the help that you provide them in, in a subtle way, because you're actually sharing value and expertise of what their business is, what they do, like whether it's an SEO person or whatever it is, um, with the, with the subtleties of, you know, we work together, I've helped you, that kind of thing. And it, it, when you're assessing whether to join a community, um, especially the the more the silver circle the more elite um groups you it's it's very much based on the power of how much you resonate with the other people and uh, I, i've you know been in masterminds before where i guess what the problem was was um the group that were brought together weren't necessarily the right group and or, or you just didn't feel yeah. like you were you being put in the right room or something like that exactly and it showcases the level that you work with and I guess it it's it will attract people who think wow if this is you know the kind of people that he's working with this is the these are the businesses the business owners these are the levels that they're at it proves and shows that and versus you know just just hearing it then you come in and then you think wait a minute like this isn't a room I thought I was joining when I was gonna (laughs) join that that group so I, I think that you do um a fantastic job of obviously like adding value whilst very clearly showcasing what you're all about and the and the, the caliber of the people that you work with so that's something that I really get from being a listener of your show mm. oh thanks well I mean you know from a strategic point of view I'm quite careful when I bring on a guest that I talk about the relationship we have because I'm in, you know I'm fine with transparency and I the, the thing is I know so much about this customer from working with them that I'm often fascinated and inspired by what they're doing and I want to share their story. So I've definitely worked more in the last few years on getting better at storytelling. And where I used to be sort of robotic and direct, especially if you listen to my old stuff, I'll just like get to the point. And and you know people love Australians for being direct and I was a direct Australian. But over time, I've learned to actually unpack the story more for the benefit of the listener to make it more interesting for them. So when I find fascinating people, and I work with amazing people, I mean, I've got a new client yesterday who is a fisherman, and he created his first information product and sold 30 of this information product for $900 each, and he blew himself away. He just couldn't believe it. That's a story I want to tell on a podcast and it's not about having the most impressive case study. Uh, and what I've found is those ones can actually intimidate people. They say, oh, that's just like great, but I could never be that. Um, there's a bit of that happening at the moment in Clubhouse. You know, People get the impression that everyone on Clubhouse is an eight or nine figure marketer. So they're just being intimidated and being turned off. So I publish regular case studies. And regular case studies are relatable and real and verifiable. You can go and look at the site. You can contact them. I know people send emails to my guests and say, you know, I loved your show. And is that really what's happening? They, yeah, absolutely. You know, and they, they endorse it. And I think you've you've bumped into one of my super spreaders. Greg is a big advocate um, and a regular guest because we have a fantastic yin-yang relationship. His designs have lifted my business and improved conversions and we work hand in glove to you know he sends me stuff I tell him what I've learned about 
um, heat maps or analytics or an SEO expert or conversions from copywriting that a client's just run a test and they moved this thing on the left instead of the right and got 15% conversions. He builds all that intellectual property into his own business. And uh, at the same time, I've sort of helped grow his business and I'm a great uh, distribution point for him, you know, like I'm a huge referrer of his services and we even talked about him going over to that event and the pros and cons and if it's a good idea and uh, it, it's great to be involved behind the scenes with these people and then to showcase it with their permission and I think one thing you could, you would go to my show and you won't recognize a huge proportion of my guests and I love investing in people and the future and the relationships and I've I've had some little tiny acorns turn into oak trees, like Ezra Firestone is a classic example of that. I got in early on people who I could tell had something special, and I kept bringing them to the platform, and then they became megastars in their own right. Yeah, which is just such a, like you said, it's such an amazing story that you then want to get out there and embrace that storytelling. <laughs> um, yeah, they blow me away. I'm like, uh, I, I, I'm just like, I'm stunned sometimes at what people are able to achieve. And I really love human potential. And if we've learned anything about content in the last few years, it's that storytelling and quality levels are all on the rise. And if you don't have those elements, you're not going to cut it in a pretty crowded market. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you say? So um, I've got a final question for you, which is um, what would you say is uh, the key driver behind consistency? So what has been your kind of secrets to just being so consistent? Uh, you've got to have a system. Yeah. You just build a system to, to make it easy so that it happens for you. Uh, so for me, my team are set up to have our, our belief system is that we are to deliver two podcasts a week and one video per weekday, every week, week in, week out. And so uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this term, but if you're a fruit harvester or whatever and you're putting the stuff in the machine, they call it a hopper bin. It's like, you know, filling up the hopper bin and it comes out the other end. I tell them to keep an eye on the hopper bin and if it starts to run low, they have to tell me and then it's up to me to go and create something. So they have, I've got an early warning device. They might say on a team meeting, I just want to let you know that we're doing the next three episodes. So that takes us out to the end of next week. And so we're looking for something to start work on soon, which means you better yeah. go and make something. <laughs> so then I'll, I'll go and shake the tree and find something. Luckily, I've been able to keep my routine. It just organically turns out that I'm speaking to just about the right number of people to keep the podcast alive. I also have a weekly Ask Me Anything call with my members. Sorry, a monthly. I do, I do that with Silver Circle. But I've got a, a monthly call with Superfast Business and I'm able to, from one hour of recording there, create usually eight pieces of content. So that takes them that takes care of them for two weeks. And then they can pull snippets from our, uh, well, what is it, eight podcasts a month. They can pull snippets from that to last them the other few weeks. If I don't give them supplementary videos, which is just me on an iPhone talking about something important, that something might happen that I feel is a great metaphor or lesson like yesterday 
when I took my life into my own hands and had a haircut from an apprentice hairdresser, which is the most frightening thing I've ever done. And I think that is going to make its way into a podcast episode because so much went through my mind while I was facing a, an, a certain death from, from a razor cut or, or um, you know, a misplaced uh, machinery. The guy was trembling with nerves too. Like he was even more nervous than I am. So those sort of things, I feel compelled to capture those moments and share them on, on the go. And so th- those things make it into content as well. And people yeah. love that stuff. I think that explains phenomenons like TikTok. Yeah, I guess it's it's like having that that eye for content and always looking at the content opportunities that can come through. Um, what's happening in every day, the conversations that you're having, your own experiences, having the network of people to feed the the guest pipeline as well, and um, the system. And you said you when that that all then needs to feed into. A system exactly if you have a help desk if you answer questions if you do any kind of consulting or if you just keep a big fat notepad and fill it with ideas i've literally got a pad here where every page has a video idea um, the other thing i do is when i'm on someone else's show i'll usually record my side and i can give that to a member of my team and they can run it through otter and turn it into text and then I ask them to chunk it down into the key bullet points that were discussed and I might turn that into an episode of my own. It'll end up completely different to the source but I'm capturing my intellectual property and then putting it into leverage. Yeah and sorry I said it was one last question but what what, just just because (laughs) it feeds straight on just one more thing but um, so for people who are hesitant about investing in support and help because you can't do all of this yourself if you are um, running a business as well so there's, there's that aspect of having an in-house team or working with um, freelancers or working with a business like us um, how do you um, how would you recommend that you look at the ROI so if you're going to invest then how are you going to measure that ROI to see that it's worth the investment? Is there a certain techniques or even just tools, tools or, or and it's software that you use to measure your metrics? Well, we run a reporting tool that manages to track the attribution. So yeah. when we're putting links on social media, we use our own redirect and it actually tags that person from that video. So I actually know my return on investment from videos. I can tell you that it, usually there's a lag time. If you're just starting out, absolutely no one's watching your content (laughs) in the beginning. Um, I would use techniques like Chris Von Wilpert masterfully teaches, which is um, find out what people's challenges are, find out who they're following, and then go and create the absolute high quality, best perfect piece of content that addresses the challenge, and then go and try and get it in front of the people who they follow. That will fast track you. So you can get the most bang for buck from minimal content. Um, that will give you a return on investment quickly and you can track it because it just happened and uh, because, you know, you're not doing anything else. And I would say it's more important than ever to uh, be realistic about, you know, we hear about self-liquidating offers and we hear about instant riches, but this is a long-haul game. I think it took me three months to start seeing income coming from my short videos when I started them two and a half years ago. Uh, But now I'd say I've made over a million dollars from those videos. So on a dollars per hour basis, uh, even if you add up two and a half years worth of a video every day, 
there's that's probably um, six six hundred and fifty um, minutes. You know, that's that's a that's um, ten and a half hours worth of content for a million dollars. That ends up at uh, probably a hundred thousand dollars an hour. Uh, maybe I got my math wrong. I'm trying to do this on the fly, but <laughs> if that's the case, it's still really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So um, try and track it, but it is yeah. a bit harder to track multi-channel content. I think investing in good content and distribution, and that's the other thing, you should spend as much time or energy or expense on distributing and leveraging the content that you make as you do to make the content. And, you know, we used to spend most of our time just creating new stuff all the time and then just putting it out there. Now we have a lot more process in place supporting that content, cutting it up into snippets, following up with our guests. Uh, now we're even running some ads to our better performing content. So you can spend more of your budget on leveraging the core pieces of content that work for you. And I think I mentioned earlier, I just paid someone a good sum to create a very well-researched, in-depth, high-quality um, article that is not the kind of thing I'm going to write. Or even anyone in my team, they all passed on it. They said, no, thanks. And so we just paid someone. We put it there, and now we're just getting it all interlinked and backlinked from in our site, and then we'll go outside our site, and then I'll create content around it. And over time, we should pop up and start ranking well for our content. Yeah, and that and, and it's so important to consider search and ranking um, as well as social, isn't it? I think, you know, when we when I speak to clients, that's what we always emphasise that we focus on. It's not just the social side. We, yes, we create lots oh, of snippets and social content, but it's search asset. as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the show, James. It's been such a great conversation, and there's so much more I, I could have spoken to you about, but I'm very conscious of, of time. So, so thank maybe you. maybe there'll be a uh, part two. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, part two. Um, but yes, thank you so much. So, is there um, any kind of closing, um, you know, call to action from you in terms of um, where you'd like people to go to find out more? Obviously, listen to your show, but but any um, any place you would like people to go to connect with you. Um, I put a website up at james.co and that just puts links to the, the things I have. But I do want to say, Amy, thanks for being such a great interviewer. It's refreshing to have intelligent questions and uh, I, clearly you know what you're talking about with your content stuff. So it's been such a pleasure for me to come and share some ideas uh, and to hopefully someone listen to this is going to implement on it. So I'm happy to receive emails if there's questions about anything I've mentioned or whatever. I'm happy to help out. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I'll put all the links in the show notes. That's the, the classic podcaster closing line, isn't it? The links will be in the show notes. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you, James. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for those comments as well. And yeah, maybe there'll be um, a part two. But until then, thank you very much. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that discussion and thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the Content 10X podcast, then why not hit that subscribe button on your podcast listening app of choice so that you can get updated when new episodes are released. And I'd really, really appreciate it if you could leave a review as well. That really makes a difference for the podcast. Also, please do get a copy of my book, Content 10X, more content, less time, maximum results. It is the ultimate 
ultimate guide to repurposing every type of content. And it's available on Amazon, in Kindle and paperback, and also in audiobook as well. And you can head to content10x.com forward slash book to find all the other places that you can get a copy of my book. And if you would like us to do your content repurposing for you, then we offer a fully end-to-end done-for-you content repurposing service. This is for podcasters and video content creators. We have our podcast 10x, video 10x, and also our specific LinkedIn 10x service, helping you to become the leading authority in your industry on LinkedIn. You can find out so much more about our services on our website. And also please do give me a follow on the social media platforms. I share lots and lots of tips and advice on social media about content repurposing. I'm at content10x on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you try content10x.com forward slash LinkedIn, you'll find my LinkedIn profile over there as well. All that's left to say is thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I'll catch you in the next one.